section fifty two of the cloister and the hearth this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the cloister and the hearth by charles reed chapter forty nine margaret brant had always held herself apart from sevenbergen and her reserve had passed for pride this had come to her ears and she knew many hearts were swelling with jealousy and malevolence how would they triumph over her when her condition could no longer be concealed this thought gnawed her night and day for some time it had made her bury herself in the house and shun daylight even on those rare occasions when she went abroad not that in her secret heart and conscience she mistook her moral situation as my unlearned readers have done perhaps though not acquainted with the nice distinctions of the contemporary law she knew that betrothal was a marriage contract and could no more be legally broken on either side than any other compact written and witnessed and that marriage with another party than the betrothed had been formally annulled both by church and state and that betrothed couples often came together without any further ceremony and their children were legitimate but what weighed down her simple mediaeval mind was this that very contract of betrothal was not forthcoming instead of her keeping it gerard had got it and gerard was far far away she hated and despised herself for the miserable oversight which had placed her at the mercy of false opinion for though she had never heard horace's famous couplet signius irritant etc she was horatian by the plain hard positive intelligence which strange to say characterizes the judgment of her sex when feeling happens not to blind it altogether she gauged the understanding of the world to a t her marriage lines being out of sight and in italy would never prevail to balance her visible pregnancy and the sight of her child when born what sort of a tale was this to stop slanderous tongues i've got my marriage lines but i cannot show them you what woman would believe her or even pretend to believe her and as she was in reality one of the most modest girls in holland it was women's good opinion she wanted not men's even barefaced slander attacks her sex at a great advantage but here was slander with a face of truth the strong-minded woman had not yet been invented and margaret though by nature and by having been early made mistress of a family she was resolute in some respects was weak as water in others and weakest of all in this like all the elite of her sex she was a poor little leaf trembling at each gust of the world's opinion true or false much misery may be contained in few words i doubt if pages of description from any man's pen could make any human creature except virtuous women and these need no such aid realize the anguish of a virtuous woman for seeing herself paraded as a frail one had she been frail at heart she might have brazened it out but she had not that advantage she was really pure as snow and saw the pitch coming nearer her 
and nearer the poor girl sat listless hours at a time and moaned with inner anguish and often when her father was talking to her and she giving mechanical replies suddenly her cheek would burn like fire and the old man would wonder what he had said to discompose her nothing his words were less than air to her it was the ever-present dread sent the colour of shame into her burning cheek no matter what she seemed to be talking and thinking about but both shame and fear rose to a climax when she came back that night from margaret van eyck's her condition was discovered and by persons of her own sex the old artist secluded like herself might not betray her but catherine a gossip in the centre of a family and a thick neighbourhood one spark of hope remained catherine had spoken kindly even lovingly the situation admitted no half-course gerard's mother thus roused must either be her best friend or worst enemy she waited then in racking anxiety to hear more no word came she gave up hope catherine was not going to be her friend then she would expose her since she had no strong and kindly feeling to balance the natural love of babbling then it was the wish to fly from this neighbourhood began to grow and gnaw upon her till it became a wild and passionate desire but how persuade her father to this old people cling to places he was very old and infirm to change his abode there was no course but to make him her confidant better so than to run away from him and she felt that would be the alternative and now between her uncontrollable desire to fly and hide and her invincible aversion to speak out to a man even to her father she vibrated in a suspense full of lively torture and presently betwixt these two came in one day the fatal thought and all things foolishly worded are not always foolish one of poor catherine's bugbears these numerous canals did sorely tempt this poor fluctuating girl she stood on the bank one afternoon and eyed the calm deep water it seemed an image of repose and she was so harassed no more trouble no more fear of shame if gerard had not loved her i doubt she had ended there as it was she kneeled by the water's side and prayed fervently to god to keep such wicked thoughts from her o oh, selfish wretch said she to leave thy father o oh, wicked wretch to kill thy child and make thy poor gerard lose all his pain and peril undertaken for thy sight i will tell father all ay ere this sun shall set and she went home with eager haste lest her good resolution should ooze out ere she got there now in matters domestic the learned peter was simple as a child and margaret from the age of sixteen had governed the house gently but absolutely it was therefore a strange thing in this house the faltering irresolute way in which its young but despotic mistress addressed that person who in a domestic sense was less important than martin wittenhagen or even than the little girl who came in the morning and for a pittance washed the vessels etc and went home at night father i would speak to thee speak on girl wilt listen to me and and not and try to excuse my faults we have all our faults margaret thou no more than the rest of us though fewer unless parental feeling blinds me 
alas no father i am a poor foolish girl that would fain do well but have done ill most ill most unwisely and now must bear the shame but father i love you with all my faults and will not you forgive my folly and still love your motherless girl that ye may count on said peter cheerfully oh well smile not for then how can i speak and make you sad why what is the matter father disgrace is coming on this house it is at the door and i the culprit oh father turn your head away i i father i've let gerard take away my marriage lines is that all twas an oversight twas the deed of a mad woman but woe is me that is not the worst peter interrupted her the youth is honest and loves you dear you are young what is a year or two to you gerard will assuredly come back and keep troth and meantime know you what is coming not i except that i shall be gone first for one worse than that there is worse pain than death nay for pity's sake turn away your head father foolish wench muttered peter but turned his head she trembled violently and with her cheeks on fire began to falter out i did look on gerard as my husband we being betrothed and he was in so sore danger and i thought i had killed him and i oh if you were but my mother i might find courage you would question me but you say not a word why margaret what is all this coil about and why are thy cheeks crimson speaking to no stranger but to thy old father why are my cheeks on fire because because father kill me send me to heaven bid martin shoot me with his arrow and then the gossips will come and tell you why i blush so this day and then when i am dead i hope you will love your girl again for her mother's sake give me thy hand mistress said peter a little sternly she put it out to him trembling he took it gently and began with some anxiety in his face to feel her pulse alas nay said she tis my soul that burns not my body with fever i cannot will not bide in seven bergen and she wrung her hands impatiently be calm now said the old man soothingly nor torment thyself for naught not bide in seven bergen what need to bide a day as it vexes thee and puts thee in a fever for fever thou art deny it not what cried margaret would you yield to go hence and and ask no reason but my longing to be gone and suddenly throwing herself on her knees beside him in a fervour of supplication she clutched his sleeve and then his arm and then his shoulder while imploring him to quit this place and not ask her why alas what needs it you will soon see it and i could never say it i would leave her die foolish child who seeks thy girlish secrets is it i whose life hath been spent in searching natures and for leaving seven bergen what is there to keep me in it thee unwilling is there respect for me here or gratitude am i not eclept quack salver by those that come not near me and wizard by those i heal and give they not the guerdon and the honour they deny me to the empirics that slaughter them besides what is to me where we sojourn choose thou that as did thy mother before thee margaret embraced him tenderly and wept upon his shoulder she was respited yet as she wept respited she almost wished she had had the courage to tell him after a while nothing would content him but her taking a medicament he went and brought her she took it submissively 
to please him it was the least she could do it was a composing draught and though administered under an error and a common one did her more good than harm she awoke calm by a long sleep and that very day began her preparations next week they went to rotterdam bag and baggage and lodged above a tailor's shop in the breed kirk strait only one person in turgu knew whither they were gone the burgomaster he locked the information in his own breast the use he made of it ere long my reader will not easily divine for he did not divine it himself but time will show end of section fifty two